Yes, thanks to, uh, thank you much, Jenda, uh, for that uh, rendition of another one of the face-to-face encounters of, of Jesus uh, with those that are around him. And that's been our journey uh, during this Lenten season as we're preparing for Easter, is uh, to look at different ways that Jesus responds to different people. We, we've seen you know, how he responded to a religious leader who is faithless. In, in a lot of ways, we saw how he responded to a, a man that was really, really sick. We, we saw how he responded to a, a, a woman who was sleeping around. And we, we saw uh, last week how he responded to one who was persecuting the church. Now, if you've missed those different stories, you can go back and watch or listen to the, the sermons that engage with those different folks. But today we're going to look um, at how does Jesus respond to the filthy rich. We'll, we'll find in this passage, like Jenda said, Zacchaeus, who is a man who's the epitome of the filthy rich. What he did was legal, but very unethical, very immoral. He, he as she said, you know, he, he would take, um, he collect taxes and the way the tax uh, collectors made money is they, that whatever money they, they gained above what they were supposed to pay to their boss, they got to keep. And uh, so uh, he and he was doing that. He was using that. Uh, he, he was the very successful. You know, he, he was very, very rich. He had a lot of money, a lot, a lot of power. But it was not working for him, as we'll see in the story. And as Jenda shared, he, he was he, he was what the, the, our passage will say. He was lost. The directions he was following for life were not working. That's what it means to be lost. Right? One is lost when the directions they're following are not working. Now, there's, there's lots of reasons that we can be lost. I mean, I, I remember one time uh, we had a Chick-fil-A gift card. Kathy and I were headed somewhere. don't remember exactly where. Got the GPS, Chick-fil-A here, gift card in hand. We follow it. We're at our destination, and it's an empty lot. It's not there. Directions were wrong. I don't know if it was a prophetic that it's going to be there or it was there and burnt. I don't know. They, they were lost. Uh, another time that I thought I was right. I was, I thought I was online here. I'd studied for this calculus test, memorized the formula, go to take it and get it back thinking I'm good. And I made a 43. That's out of a hundred. That's not good. I memorized the wrong formula. I mean, the directions I was following, I thought they were right, they were good, looked good, felt good, they were dead wrong. Thankfully, I had a gracious teacher, but that's another sermon. Uh, another time where someone purposefully gave me the wrong directions. I was going to Rhonda's house, had her number, and, and called um, Rhonda's number of us. This is back in school, college. This is a long time ago when you didn't have GPSs or anything like that. You know? And I uh, uh, called, so a bunch of us in college were going to Rhonda's lake house, called Rhonda's house. Rhonda wasn't there, but whoever answered the phone gave me the directions. I follow the directions. I get to where we're supposed to be going, and it really doesn't even exist once I get there. And I realize what I'd done is I'd called the wrong number. And so the person who answered just played along and gave me directions to the middle of nowhere in South Korea. Funny now, not then. So, so you, can, you can be given the wrong directions to follow, and you're lost. 
That's what Zacchaeus is. And, and the thing is, the word lost that's tr- translated here is also translated in a variety of other ways, destruction. So it, it's not lost that's just an inconvenience or a little trouble or you need to take a makeup test. It, this is a loss that if you follow these directions to the end, they lead to destruction. So Zacchaeus is this one who is lost. So what, what we'll see really in our passage today is how Jesus relates to the lost. And Zacchaeus is an example of the filthy rich is just an example of those who are lost, who are following directions. Maybe they think they're right or maybe they're wrong. Maybe somebody's given them these directions. Whatever it might be, they are lost. And what we'll see is that Jesus comes to seek and to save the lost. Or as Jenda said, to find and restore the lost. The passage is uh, Luke 19. I want to read it again just so you'll hear uh, the, this story in its entirety. Um, and you can follow along in any uh, Bible that you might have or uh, here or, or at home. Let's pray. Almighty God, thank you for your written word that speaks to us of your truth, that does give us guidance that leads to life. So help us to hear and receive from you. Open our hearts. Open our ears to what you would be saying to us. Because we know, Lord, you bring the words of life. You bring directions that lead to goodness, and to love, and to beauty. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. All right, he, Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. For he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry, come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, The half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he is also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. So Zacchaeus is the example of the one who is lost. Um, uh, one, one thing that mentions here, didn't speak about, that he's short. And the fact that it's mentioned the way that it is probably was dealing with some me, um, medical condition related to dwarfism. I mean, he was probably like a dwarf, so very short. And in those days, that would have also ostracized him. That would be an example of directions you were given maliciously by somebody else. Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't uh, Zacchaeus' fault. Yeah, that's just what it was, and that sort of caused that separation. And maybe that also led to him then choosing to become a tax collector, which is where he thought, this is where I'm going to get life. 
You know, if I'm a tax collector, I can make a lot of money, have power, have what I need. And as we said, they were despised by those around because of the, the immoral, the way they used other people. I mean, the more, the better. And on top of that, if you're a tax collector and you're a good one, then you're really hated because you're cheating people. You're extorting them. You're lying to them, telling them what, how much they owe. That's so much more than what they really owe. And you get to keep the rest. So that's where, and on top of that, he's Jewish. So he's a traitor. You know, other Jews around him, you're working for the Roman government. You're working for the enemy. So Zacchaeus was lost in every way, trying to find um, his way through life. And, and it's not working for him. The, the proverb, the proverb 1 verse 19 captures this well. Um, it, it's where uh, Proverbs says, Such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. That's the keyest life verse up to this point. He's greedy for unjust gain. and, And that pursuit isn't bringing him life. It's robbing him of life. So he's curious about Jesus. He wants to see him. So he makes an effort to see Jesus. Zacchaeus is lost. The directions he thought would lead to life were not working. On the outside, man, he looks good. He's got money. He's got power, position. But he was lost and he knew it. So he finds himself in that branch of that sycamore tree, and Jesus comes by. What's Jesus going to do? What are the ways that Jesus could respond to Zacchaeus? A whole plethora of options, but what he does, what he shows, is that Jesus is there to see. He is seeking for Zacchaeus. He wants to engage with Zacchaeus. He knows, Zacchaeus knows that he's lost and, and he, that, that Zacchaeus needs to be found and Jesus is ready to find him. Come on down, hurry on down. One of the few times you hear Jesus say, hurry. Hurry on down here, Zacchaeus. Come on down. And, and Zacchaeus, we're told, he scurries on down that tree. He runs to Jesus and he opens his arms and welcomes him joyfully. He's filled with joy. I remember in seventh grade, Mary Kleinard said, a, a fellow student in my middle school said, I'll like you if you like me. And that's one of those seventh grade relationships kind of deals, you know. And, and I, as a seventh grader, I, I was, you know, big head, I mean, I had a big head uh, relative to the rest of my body in seventh grade. I had big hair in, in those days. And uh, acne from, you know, football helmets. And I, but I was no football star. I was second team offensive line, you know. So that's the people you don't know about, especially you don't know about, you know. Um, and so I'm like, Mary Kleinard? One, she knows my name. And she wants to like me. I'm on. I like her too. And which then started this great 10-day relationship. Again, middle school relationships. Right, but I, I I was just soaring. Somebody knows my name and likes me. I was set for seventh grade from that moment on. So, and, and you know how that happens, right? When when the cool kid says, "Hey, I'm having a party. You want to come?" 
When somebody, hey, I like you. I'm going to come to your house to, to spend the night. We're throwing a party at your place and I'm coming. That, that's what Jesus did with Zacchaeus. And that, that is how he then hears that and responds with, with great joy. I want you, I mean, see this. Now, the, Jesus is not scared or worried or deterred or disgusted by Zac, by Zacchaeus's sin. Nothing. No, Jesus seeks and searches for those who are lost. That, that's who he is. That's what he is about. The crowd is, is disgusted. Jesus is going to a sinner's house. But Jesus is not disgusted at all. He's going there. He's going to the house that cheating and lying and extortion built. He's going right in the middle of it and doesn't require any change. I'm there. That's, that's the nature of Jesus. He goes right into the middle of the mess of our lostness and loves us. And as we'll see, he goes right in the middle of those of us who are following directions that don't lead to life in order to give us a new set, a new direction to follow him that does lead to life. He's not like the crowd who really is sort of treating Zechariah the same way Zechariah treated him. They're just complaining and deriding Zacchaeus. But Jesus is loving him. He's going to the house of, of a sinner. I want you to know. That's the only house Jesus goes to. Jesus only goes to the houses of those who are sinners. He, he doesn't go to the house of righteous ones. He doesn't go to the, the good ones. He goes to the broken ones. The lost. The sinners. That's the house that Jesus goes to. He, he, and he doesn't require it to get cleaned up. Doesn't even give him the time to clean it up. It's immediate. Catch the immediate line. Today, salvation is coming. I'm going to your house today. We're having a party. He doesn't even give Zacchaeus the time to get on the cell phone. Hey, Miss Zacchaeus, can you clean up at least the entry room? Doesn't get to send the servants on forward to go prepare the way. It's like, no, I'm going to your house right now. Because that's who Jesus is. He goes into the midst of the mess of our lives. Come into your house to stay. And Zacchaeus, what we see is that Zacchaeus is overwhelmed by Jesus' unfettered, unhindered affection for him. That he's seeking him, he's searching for him. He wants to be with Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus is overwhelmed there. I mean, it's a life-changing freedom that, that Zacchaeus experiences in that moment that, that teaches us that Jesus' freedom brings us, Jesus' affection, His love, His grace. It brings us that kind of freedom because right then, and there, the very things that, G, that Zacchaeus is living for, money and, 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 uh, and fame and power, those kind of, he's willing to give it up. You know, it's like Zacchaeus has one of those little money guns, you know, he's just shooting them up, let it rain. Let that money rain. Let it go. Paying everybody back that he's wronged. He's freed from it. And he, he is not affected at all by what the crowd is saying because he is eye to eye, face to face with Jesus, his creator and lover. 
And that that face-to-face interaction is what brings Zacchaeus that that freedom that then leads him in that moment to, metaphorically, clean house. Because when Jesus comes to your house, he cleans house. He's coming to Zacchaeus because Zacchaeus is following a set of directions that aren't leading to life. Right? That's why Zacchaeus is there. That's why he wants him. And that's what we see. His encounter with Jesus then leads to a total change in how he's doing it. Where he he gives up half of his possessions, pays back those he's wronged four times what uh, he has stolen from them. The, The direction he's going isn't working. So Jesus doesn't enter into the house not to then clean house. To then say, no, you're going in a direction that's leading to destruction. That, and, and I have found you. You are lost. I'm coming now to save you. Which means it's going to change the direction of your life. It's going to mess with you. Jesus doesn't come into your life just to bless your direction and your plans. Because left to our own, we don't have good plans. He comes in to change our direction. To lead us in the way of goodness and love and joy. Even got a wink there from Jesus. When he comes to the house, he cleans house. He's he's now changed, saved from destruction. Uh, Many of you know, and and probably most will be familiar with the 23rd Psalm. It's the the psalm that starts off, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me. Takes me by green pasture. Makes me lie down in green pastures. Takes me by outside still waters. But it's the next phrase that Zacchaeus is experiencing here. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I, I never put those two together. But I think they are a cause. Causal relationship. Jesus restores my soul because he takes me from the the direction that I'm going that I think leads to life that actually sucks life away from me and he sets me on the path pathway of righteousness of goodness of love of justice for not for me not for my life but for his life and that's what in turn brings me life that's what restores my soul that's what Zacchaeus is experiencing here now, again, you know, so when Jesus eventually gets to the house, you know, he's going to clean house because he's come to save. He's come to lead us in, in the way of life, not just to bless us in our mess. Now, for Zacchaeus, I, I do hope his house was paid for because, man, he's going all out you know, he, to give half of what uh, of his money and then to pay back four times as much. Uh, I hope some things are, are, are paid for. Because Jesus can cause that kind, that kind of drastic change. Some of you may know the story about Millard and Linda. Uh, They were students at the University of Alabama in the early 60s. Uh, they were already married, already had two kids. Uh, Millard actually was in, in law school. Linda just graduated. And they were very successful. Millionaires. Already, and, and this is in the 60s. And they, they were living the dream life, the, the American dream. You know, two kids, they were building their dream house as, as their business just took off. But Linda, over time, realized that she was miserable. 
that, that she wasn't experiencing life, even though from the outside it looked absolutely dreamlike. And, and one day she had her mom take care of the kids and she left, went to New York from Tuscaloosa to visit actually a pastor friend of the family to share, hey, this is what's going on in my life. Man, I, I got all the, the money we want. I got, we got our dream house is being built. I can buy whatever clothes I want, whatever car I want. We can go travel to wherever we want at any time. Our, our, our kids have the best of everything, but I'm, I'm miserable. And when, when Millard got home and heard that she had left and gone to New York, he was shocked. And it, it, it floored him. So he made reservations and flew up to New York. Found her in the, the hotel she was staying and, and said, no, we've got, this is, we've got to work this out. And on one of their trips in, in the city, they got into a brand new cab. Matter of fact, they were the first fare in this brand new car. Again, this is before the days of Uber and Lyft and those kind of things. And they got in and they looked at each other and felt maybe this is a little poking and prodding that we've got to do something totally new. So they they did. They took Jesus at his word. They got home to Tuscaloosa and they sold everything, every car, all the clothing, the house they lived in, the dream house they were building, sold it all, gave it away, it eventually moved to a little town in Georgia, a little farm in America's Georgia. And as they were living there, housing was not available in their little community. And so they started to reach out with the church they were going to and help build houses, restore houses so that people who were working but couldn't afford housing would have decent housing for them and their families. And in 1976, that's when Habitat for Humanity was born by Millard and Linda Fuller. And even beyond them, he's deceased now, but now there's Habitat. There's also the Fuller Center for Housing. And between the two, they're in 16 different countries, have built more than a half million houses that have housed 2 million people around the world. A modern-day Zacchaeus story. Jesus... Seeks and saves the lost in order to rescue them from destruction and lead them into life. When the directions aren't working, Jesus seeking you out to lead you in the way that does. There, there may be some hearing here or hearing online. That that's you today. You're, matter of fact, everyone that is hearing this, here, now, online, now, or whenever you hear it, it's not by accident. Jesus is seeking you. Jesus is searching for you. He, he, he wants to lead anyone and everyone into the way of life, into the way that is full, into the way of righteousness, for the glory of God, for your good and the good of the world. 
And maybe today, that day, you relate directly to Zacchaeus. I want you to know, no matter what evil you have done, no matter what you have, no matter what ways that you have squandered the opportunities, or ways that you've used and misused and abused other people, Jesus is seeking after you to come to him, and it's the same thing that Zacchaeus did. Hear his call and respond. Say, I need you, Jesus. Your, your marriage is on the rocks. Don't give up. Cry out to Jesus. I need you, Jesus. You're in the middle of bankruptcy. Don't give up. Cry out. I need you, Jesus. Whatever it might be. Whether it's because you were lost or you were given a bad set of directions. Jesus is seeking you to restore you, to renew you, to lead you to him. And I invite you today to simply let Jesus know. Jesus, I need you. Whatever that specific thing is, let him know. If you're here and that's your case today, invite you just to, at the conclusion of the service, just to stay seated in your service. And somebody on the prayer team would love to pray with you and for you. You don't need to tell them any details. Just say, yeah, I need Jesus. Will you pray for me? Well, you can tell them the story if you want, but you don't have to. But today, just like with Zacchaeus, today, make this your prayer today. If you're online, just chpc.org slash prayer. And just say, I need Jesus today. You want us to contact you, then put your phone number on there. Either way, whether you put your phone number or not, we'll gladly join you in prayer. But I want to tell you that, that Jesus is ready to enter into your life. You know, there's changes that are going to happen and, and I encourage you, whether it's this church or another one, or whatever community of people that are following after Jesus, you need to be with them. You need to, to join with them. And, and you need to not be just in a big group, but you need to be in a small group. They're studying the Bible together and sharing life. They're really helping each other hear what Jesus is saying, hear the direction and guidance that Jesus is giving and helping one another to live it. And we got a bunch of ways you can do that here or you can do it wherever you might be. You've seen the beginning of the service at the end of the service. You know, there's a variety the women's Bible study on Tuesday morning, band of brothers on Thursday, growth groups that happen throughout the time, throughout the week, Ignite, another men's ministry or Woven, another women's ministry or young adults or youth group. Um, There's a variety of ways to be in with a group of people who have said, yeah, I'm lost and I need Jesus to give me direction. And they might have been saying it for 50 years. But that, that, that never changes. I'm lost. I need Jesus, you, to lead me. Now, I also want to give, give a word to those that are in the church. Those of us that have been following Jesus for a while and remind you that, that yeah, that, that's always our story. We're lost and we need Jesus to give us direction. And so I got two things for those of us that are the church. One is how is Jesus leading you today? Really, that's just a backhanded way to ask, are you being complacent? You know, uh, Millard Fuller and Linda Fuller, they were Christians. You know, but, you know, growing up in Alabama in the 1960s, you were a Christian because you weren't something else. I mean, I know. I, I was born in the 60s uh, in Alabama. But my question for you, if you're part of the church, yes, there may be a day long gone by that you said I was lost and Jesus found me. Well, is he still leading you today? Because he's still seeking you. He's still leading you. And if so, in what way? 
How's he leading you today? Be sure you're not complacent. But that Jesus is actively leading you in the way of righteousness, in the way of justice, in the way of love and mercy. And the other, for us as a church, you know, our charge as a church, as the body of Christ, is to embody, it's to to live out in flesh and blood, in hands and feet, in ears and mouths, the passion of Jesus to seek and save the lost. How are we doing? You know, to seek and save the lives who we are because Jesus, because we're experiencing the joy that like Zacchaeus did, the life that he's, we want to share that with others in ways that is loving and kind and gracious, which is why for those of you that have been around for uh, the last couple of weeks or have heard or seen an email, why we're during this season, we're having goals that we're doing as a congregation. Every member of the church, we're, we're, we have goals that we're looking to do. And you can go online and see more information. You can see it there. You can take a picture of the little QR code there, that little black square. Or you can go to chpc.org.goals. Or you can text goals to the number that's on the screen. And what we're doing there is we're... We're wanting to set goals so as to help us live out the passion of Jesus, to seek and save the lost. So we're, we want to set goals for ourselves individually and as a church to say, how can we show the mercy and grace of Jesus to those that are around us? Yeah, I want to do that once a week or once a month. How can I do that? Because I want to seek and save the lost like Jesus. How can I invite others? Another set of goals. How can I invite others? Invite others to things at church, to Alpha, or or to know Jesus. How can I invite them? That, do that, you know, once a month, once a week, once a day, whatever. However the Lord might be leading you. And then the, the third goal is simply, I, and I want to continue to be growing in Jesus. I don't want to get complacent. I don't want to follow Jesus and sort of go off, veer off into my own directions, which is our penchant. Our hearts are prone to wander as we sing. I, I want Jesus to be continually leading me to know and follow Him. So, I mean, these goals are nothing more than just practical ways that we as a church seek to embody with Jesus' passion to seek and save the lost. And what would it indeed look like, brothers and sisters, as we, in the power of the Spirit, Continue to be changed. Continue to be transformed. Continue to be renewed. By Jesus who has found us. And who is leading us. Who is cleaning our house. What would it look like? For us. For our community. How indeed would we celebrate? How Jesus has come to seek and save me. You. And all who are lost. Amen.